Welcome back to the show. Julian DeStoop with you. We're building up to day two of the Australian Open. Big week in cricket, of course. Uh, the BBL coming to the climax of the regular season. Finals not too far away in the first test between Australia and the West Indies. And this morning, we've been talking great catches off the back of the combination between Troy Johnson and Nick Kelly in the New Zealand T20 competition, pulling off one of the great catches of all time on the weekend. Got a few more off the uh, 40 Winks temper. Uh, I'll read through them shortly because Darren Berry has joined us. Morning, Chuck. Uh, Jules, a good morning to you, mate. Uh, there's a bit going on, isn't there? Plenty. Did you see that catch on the weekend from the T20 over in uh, New Zealand? I didn't see it live, but last night when I was commentating on SEN, uh, we had another little TV on watching the highlights on and they showed it. So I don't know a lot about it, but I saw it and I was blown away. I mean, that that's as good as it gets. Unbelievable. What, what's it, what is the best catch you, you've ever seen, whether it's in a game you, you've played in or, or watching on the television? Yeah, I mean, there's been a few. I, I still remember that one Ben Lachlan took at Marvel Stadium. Remember that one? I thought that was an that's absolute right. run. Yeah. yeah, when he threw the ball back in. That was a pretty similar... You know, not as... That one I saw at New Zealand, I reckon that's probably right up there. It just shows you the value of having a, a, an assistant runner with you. There always should always be two to the boundary <laughs> yes. in any format, but in, in T20, because they, they, they're happening more and more, aren't they, where the ropes are in and you've got to run over, throw it back in. But Benny Lachlan stands out. That one, if you, anyone listeners haven't seen it, just jump on and have a look yes. at it. One bloke going backwards with the flight, diving over the rope, throwing the ball back in, didn't even look where he was throwing it, but had that sixth sense and, and the awareness, nah, that, that was good. Um, and then for people a bit more my age, there was a guy in South Australia, This will, you won't even know this, Jules, in a, in a one-day game, South Australia, might have been South Australia-Queensland or South Australia-Victoria, Steve Wunke's name was at Square League. Okay. Google that one when you hang up. Steve Wunke at Square League was a pretty good catch. And the final one I'll throw you with that always stood out to me was John Dyson when I was yes, a young kid. that's coming through very strongly. Yeah, yeah, no, John Dyson stood out to me on the boundary going backwards. It was like a freak catch. So there are a few. Let's get stuck into the BBL, Chuck. You called the strikers last night who have hit some form late in the season. So that, I guess the big concern about the strikers throughout the tournament, no concerns over their batting, but the bowling has been the concern of you. Have they done enough to convince you this bowling attack can can do some damage come the finals? I don't think on again on paper. I don't really rate paper because you can you know what you do with paper. But uh, <laughs> I think the Scorchers and the Brisbane Heat have the best bowling attack. I really do, and that's why they're up there. And I'm a big believer in this format. And I like you've started with this question that the best bowling sides win. A lot of people say, "Oh no, it's the best batters." If you've got a great defensive bowling unit, and that's why Perth Scorchers have won five titles, the best bowling side wins. So it's a great question. But I'll tell you what they've found now with Cameron Boyce and Lloyd Pope, two leg spinners, um, very slow, very different to Rashid Khan, that are doing a great job. I mean, Pope was outstanding. He was. Thunder last night at the end. Um, so I think they're dangerous. Matt Short's doing his job with his better-than-part-time off-spin. And I suppose the question mark is sort of over there quicks. When you look at it, Thornton, um, Overton, Agar's not getting a game, and the left armour from uh, England, Payne. It, it's steady, but it's probably got some, some little um, chinks in the armour. They did it beautifully last night, and I, I reckon they're a danger. If they get Chris Lynn back in their batting lineup, I reckon they're, they're, they're a chance to, to cause an upset. 
Yeah, they're batting uh, Matt Short. What a season uh, Matt Short is having once again. Let's get stuck into the Gades and the Stars because once again, it's been disappointing seasons for both. Before we, we do that, it was a great tribute to Aaron Finch the other night. More than 40,000 in the house. Unfortunately, he didn't make any runs uh, with the bat. But you were an assistant coach with Finchy when he was a, a very young player. What sort of will be his legacy in Australian cricket? Oh, well, his record speaks for itself, and we probably don't need to go through his record because most cricket lovers would know it. But in particular in the white ball, uh, around not just in Australia, around the world, there was a period in T20 where you know he was right up. Him and Chris Gale were sort of the two most feared openers in, in world cricket. He's done it all. He's captained his country to T20 um, success in the World Cup. He played in the, in the World Cup, I think, here in a winning one in 2015. Um, my memory tells me. So his record around the world and what he's achieved, I think, is unbelievable. And I and I say that because I think back to that young kid that came into the squad when Rick Shippard was was coaching Victoria, and and I started my coaching career as an assistant with Greg at Victoria. Finchie was this little rough diamond from Colac West, you know, young kid, <laughs> little podgy, little fag out the back of the change rooms, always a bit cheeky. But you know what? Always respectful to his elders as well. I've always had a lot of time for Aaron Finch. Um, and uh, I must admit, when I when he retired the other night, and I, I sent him a little message, didn't expect a response. You can imagine the thousands he would have got. But that's the nature of the kid. I say kid, he's not a kid anymore. He's a married man at 37. But <laughs> straight away, the message, you know, after the game, within an hour, thanks, Chuck. I really appreciate the message. You know? And I just said that little kid from Colac, uh, the rough diamond, I used to call him. He's come through and climbed to the top of world cricket. I, I think it's a great story. Uh, you know, the Renegades, he's only played for one VBL club. That's rare these days. So I can't speak highly enough of him. And he's matured into a, a wonderful person, you know, great father. And, and I think he'll make a real go of his commentary career because he's got a wonderful cricket brain. What about coaching? As you say, he's got a wonderful cricket brain. He's, he's captain the country. How shrewd is his cricket brain? Yeah, I think it's pretty good, um, and, and I know. Look, he had a lot of he had a lot of time for our, my late great mate Shane, and Finchie used to look up to Shane Warne, and I reckon he, he you know played against him, but I reckon he watched a lot of Warnie tactically. Whether that'll be up to Finchie, whether he goes coaching or commentary, I know which one's easier. Um, if he's listening, I'll give you some advice, Aaron. <laughs> Take all the cash doing commentating. There's, there's far less pressure than coaching. It's not even a comparison. You don't come under scrutiny because I know where you're going to go next and ask me to talk about the Stars and the Renegades, but uh, he'll, he'll be good at both because of, because of his knowledge and his experience and the, the waves that he's ridden. He's been up the top and down the bottom, but I think he'll make a really good commentator. Before we get stuck into what's gone wrong with both those teams, the, the other one that's retired, 23-year professional career, Sean Marsh. Yeah. He's, he's played for that long. He's playing with guys this year at the Renegades that were born after he made his debut, but what will his legacy be, I mean, fantastic short-form cricketer, but we just didn't quite see the best of him at test level, did we? Yeah, I agree. Look, he reminds me a little bit, and not the same player, but a left-handed player who I think was probably right up there with the best players that I played with in Matthew Elliott. Yeah. And I would say Matthew Elliott never achieved what he should have achieved at the highest level for for various reasons. At the time, it was a very strong Australian side. But Sean Marsh is a bit the same, a beautiful player, lovely cover drive. Um, you know, when he's when he's at his best, which, I mean, now he's p- past his best, but he's still whacking runs in the big bash, had an awesome pull shot, 
a brutal square of the wicket on the offside. You gave him any width. I really thought he was a wonderful player, but I'd agree, Jules, he probably didn't put the numbers on the board, you know, and we're talking very good, but not great, um, but a wonderful player. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, I'm old, I was playing against his dad, and then uh, <laughs> Sean Marsh comes along. I think there's, a, there's one or two that actually, you might have even run that quiz. Did you run that quiz? Who played who played with his dad? And, and No, it wasn't me. No, it wasn't me. I can't put okay, my hand no, up for anyway. that one. Relevant now, but uh, yeah, 23 years at the top level. Uh, credit to him. I think the Marsh family. When you when you think about that, Jeff Marsh, what he did as yep. a player, then coached Australia. Sean Marsh, 23 years in the game, and then to be honest, I think Mitch is going to be better than both of them uh, when his time comes. What a family! What an achievement! Yeah, what a contribution to Australian cricket, as you say. The best from Mitch is probably still going to come. So what about the Gays and the Stars? We're talking to Darren Berry, Big Bash, and we'll talk a bit of Test cricket uh, in a sec, but. Probably at the start of the season, I don't know what you thought. I thought probably the Renegades had the better squad. and yep. But they both have underperformed, even though at times during the tournament, the Stars looked like they were just about to get going. Gee whiz, is this uh, my sporting glory? or we got an hour? <laughs> uh, I don't think we can do it in three minutes. That's going to be tough. Um, I suppose the bottom line is it, it, but both would be both teams would be very, very disappointed. Um you know, David Sake has been a good friend of mine. He'll be, he'll be he's a proud man. He'll be shattered with the Renegades' performances, no doubt. I mean, they're playing off on Wednesday night for the Wooden Spoon against the Thunder. I thought at the start of the tournament, and I think most people in cricket thought with their list uh, that they were going to be a finals contender and, and if not, give it a real shake. So but they've been really disappointing. Unfortunately, Quinton de Kock, who's a world-class player, just didn't really fire a shot for them. Um, you know, they lost a player early on. They've dropped their captain, Nick Maddinson, mm. who's been a very good player in his time. He got dropped and never got back. It just, one thing after another, it was a horrible season. The only shining light that I can really find, I reckon, is Jake Fraser McGurk, yep. which is great to see him you know, finally realise some of his potential. So, you know, Black Mark, sorry, Renegades, and no one, could, no one would even try and deny it. I'll just give you a couple of reasons and excuses, but uh, poor... And then the Stars last night, well, they would have been watching and hoping, but it's never good when you're watching and hoping that another side loses. I've been in that situation as well. You control your own destiny. And new coach this year, Peter Moores from England, fine man, good coaching record, really good bloke, really organised. Um, but again, he couldn't find a consistent... You know, they started terribly. Then they got on a run and everyone thought, oh, they're good. And, and Glenn Maxwell's obviously a great, a great T20 player. At times, he frustrates people with, the, with his mode of dismissal. But boy, he'd be my first pick because uh, he just does everything bat, bowl, field, and captains. But without him, they were a bit, they were a little bit rudderless. I thought he came in. Marcus Stoinis, again, wonderful player, very poor tournament. Apart from I think one game in Adelaide where he tore it apart. Uh, Stoinis had a had a poor tournament. So some of their senior boys haven't stood up for the stars. Um, and they just they've missed the finals again. You know, I think they'll were they I think they'll bottom last year, and yep. they're, they're going to miss the finals again. So it's a real concern. And I know it's been spoken ad nauseum, but the Renegades and the Stars, when this first started yes. with Eddie in charge of the Stars, everyone's spoken about it. But you can't run away from that no. fact. And and I really hope Cricket Victoria have a real hard look. And again, Jules, I know you you, you haven't got an hour, but I just think they really have a need to have a look, both of them, at their culture. And when I say that, 
I mean the numbers of Victorian players in the side. I said on SEN last night, yeah. I'll ask you this for our listeners, the Perth Scorchers have got three internationals, but at the moment they're only playing two. How many Perth players are in their squad? So you can have 15 locals. How many of them come from Perth? Uh, nine. Without notice. Nine. Nine, did you say? Yeah. All 15. Is that right? Every one of them. Oh, goodness me. Every one of them. Melbourne Stars, how many are playing grade cricket in Melbourne? One. Six. Yeah. Right. Six. Okay. Six out, six out of 18 on mm. their list. So a third of them. So what I'm trying to say there is oh, I would have a real good look. And, you know, if, if I was involved, I'd say we need to build something here that's unique to Melbourne. It's hard. I'm not saying I'm just throwing bombs out there because you've got two sides. All right? A bit mm. like Sydney, but yeah, the right. Sixers have done it pretty well. Two sides makes it harder, but there's enough talent in Victoria. If they have a real good look, hey, there's a bloke called Matt Short. Do you know where he plays cricket, Jules? Uh, if he's a Victorian, yeah. He plays for Northcote Cricket Club. Yep. And he and he's and he's ripping it apart, the play of the tournament for the Adelaide Strikers. How did he how did he slip through the cracks? Mm. It happens. Yes, I know it happens. Don't just criticize Darren without an answer. He played for the Renegades, they batted him too low. He went for Adelaide, opened the batting, now he's their captain. Uh, I'd be moving heaven and hell to, to get him back <clears throat> for either the Stars or the Renegades. There's no chance of that. As I'm speaking, Adelaide Strikers are probably signed yep. him on a three- to five-year deal. But, you know, there's an example of one that slipped through the cracks. So, uh, and there's others. Todd Murphy playing for the Sydney Sixers. Why are those blokes, how are those blokes left Melbourne? They should be playing for the Gades or the Stars and Cricket Victoria. And, and I love them. I'm a Victorian. I want them to do, last night, I was barracking to the Thunder mm. to beat the Strikers because I wanted the Stars to be in the finals. But the, the facts are they're both missed again. Again. And will you keep saying it, Jules? Again. Yeah. Yeah, one title between them in uh, 26 completed seasons. Uh, we could talk all day, Chuck. We can't wait for the BBL finals test match starting this week as well. Sadly, we've run out of time as always. Uh, thanks so much for taking our call. Cheers, buddy. Darren Berry, uh, always great, and you can hear him on BBL Nation uh, throughout the final series of The Big Bash. You're listening to Mornings for Hyundai. The Hyundai SUV sale event is on right now.